hello and welcome. Uh, Scott introduced me earlier, but my name is Katrina Wilkins, and I am a local ministerial candidate here at New Hope. Um, I've been a member of New Hope for a really long time, and so it's been fun to walk this journey um, here. Today is the second day of Advent. Advent is a season in the church calendar when we live into the reality of the now and not yet. It's a time when we pause to remember Christ's first coming and anticipate his second coming. We explore biblical accounts when God's people were in the now and not yet, living in times of great hardship, but knowing there's a promise that God will, God will change it all. If we're honest, we all live in the now and not yet, all the time. But today we take time at Advent to really acknowledge it. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this time together as we hear from your word and as we have already heard from your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Always winter and never Christmas. Father Christmas speaks these words in C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's describing the stranglehold that the white witch has on Narnia. And when I read those words for the first time when I was nine, I thought they were the saddest words I'd ever heard in my life. As an adult, I still think they're really sad words. <laughs> I've heard sadder, but um, I think they, they're the words that come back to my head when I can't make sense of something. Always winter and never Christmas. If we're honest, this is a perfect description of situations we all may be experiencing. We're all in a season of waiting. And most of us, if not all of us, have some place in our life that that waiting feels like there's no hope. Maybe it's waiting to hear back from a potential employer after going on yet another job interview. Maybe it's waiting for test results, medical or academic. Maybe it's infertility. Maybe it's a difficult relationship or a financial situation. Maybe it's knowing that there's nothing you can do in the face of horrific violence against people you love. In today's passage from Isaiah, God's people are in that same dark place. Their government has abandoned God. Their king has aligned himself and their country with a world superpower. And that superpower has turned out to be less of an ally and more of a conqueror and has deported many of God's people to their home country. And yet, a remnant remained. This remnant would have known God's deliverance of their people from Egypt, and how God protected and provided for them in the desert, and how God had given this land to them, and how their leaders turned away from God but not all did, but the next one did, and was worse than the one before, and, and, and we find ourselves in a place of feeling like it's always winter and never Christmas. 
And then along comes Isaiah, speaking for God, saying, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light, sunbursts of light. Great light, sunbursts of light. Not that little light that's on the horizon at the beginning of sunrise or daybreak, but sudden brightness. The first words God says that is recorded in the Bible is God saying, let there be light. The people hearing those words knew that God is both the creator of light and has been light to them. They not only knew that as their ancestors wandered in the desert, God was embodied in a pillar of fire, but that the psalm writers used the imagery of light to describe God throughout what we call the book of Psalms. And later, in John's account of Jesus' life, he records Jesus' claim to be the light of the world. Think back to that moment, to think back a moment to that situation you thought was an always winter situation. What would it feel like if somebody came along and suddenly gave you hope? That somebody, or God exactly, just gave you the outcome that you were expecting, or something so much better? This is what the people are being promised. Isaiah continues by saying, You repopulated the nation, you expanded its joy. Oh, they're so glad in your presence. Festival joy. The joy of a great celebration, sharing rich gifts and warm greetings. Joy. Rich gifts. Great celebration. It's kind of feeling like Christmas might be coming. And then the best news of all. The abuse of oppressors and cruelty of tyrants. All their whips and cudgels and curses is gone. Done away with. A deliverance as surprising and sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian. The boots of all those invading troops along with their shirts soaked with innocent blood will be piled in a heap and burned. A fire that will be burned, that will burn for days. Over. God is declaring it over. What would that feel like? What would that look like? As I started to think about that myself, I realized how much of my life has been under the shadow of war in the U.S. I was curious enough that I looked it up. Officially, I've had 14 years of my life not under an official war. But those 14 years were under what we called the Cold War. And that's nothing compared to what our African friends have lived with and what their family and friends are going through right now. This prophecy speaks not just to the end of violence, 
but true peace. True peace. No longer winter. Last week, Pastor Scott um, read the words from chapter 7. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. We know that Isaiah was talking about Ahaz's son, as well as the coming Savior. And he continues the story in chapter 9. For a child has been born to us, the gift of a son to us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. As an aside... I had to use the message version of this scripture so that I just didn't break into song. Um, As a singer and someone who has sung the Messiah multiple times, that's running through my head right now. Um, And many versions of the Bible use the words wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These words were set to the music of George George Frederick Handel over 250 years ago. And it's often sung during the Christmas season by choirs that find the music to be interesting but may or may not be absorbing the words as truth. Would you pray for them? Pray the words of the songs. Pray that the words of the songs, which are primarily scripture and all about Jesus, bears fruit and God's kingdom is multiplied. Okay, now back to the regular sermon. Isaiah continues to describe this kingdom. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David's throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going with fair dealing and right living. Beginning now, and lasting always. The zeal of God of the angel armies will do all this. I want to call your attention to the word wholeness in this verse, in this version. Prince of wholeness and no limits to the wholeness he brings. Again, Most versions of the Bible or translations will use the word peace there. But the word used in the Hebrew text is shalom, and wholeness is probably a better translation. I found this quote from Cornelius Plantinga, Jr., who says, In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires a joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. In short, no, shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. The way things ought to be. 
So how are they supposed to be? If we go back to the beginning of God's story, way back to the let there be light, God created humanity to be in relationship with him and each other, but sin interrupted these relationships. Suddenly, we had shame and violence and power structures that were never God's intent. Eventually, God himself, as Jesus, broke into our world to restore those relationships the way they're supposed to be. But we find ourselves still in that place of now and not yet. We know that Jesus came to restore, but as we watch the news and hear of one more school shooting or bomb threat, or of mounting government corruption, or companies that take advantage of their workers by giving them a discount instead of a fair wage, or people not being treated with dignity and respect only because they are from the other side of some arbitrary line, or broken relationships and broken families, or, or, or. It's easy to lose sight of the truth of Jesus' restoration. Last week, Pastor Scott lit the, the candle of hope to remind us of the hope that Jesus offers. I'm going to light that now. This week, I light the candle of peace. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, wholeness, shalom. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. We are not to carry out this peace alone. We need to do it together. And God has given us the tools to do that. Because of his rule and reign, we no longer need to live in the winter of our souls. Now, let me take a second. I am not glossing over the fact that there are situations that just always will feel like winter. But we have the hope that the Prince of Peace walks with us. And because of that, in many ways, it's always Christmas. Because God's kingdom is here and now. The worship team is going to come up and um, lead us in a song. It's a new song by Audrey Assad called Your Peace Will Make Us One. For many, the tune will be familiar. Um, the original words had much more of a military theme, though justice-oriented. But using this tune with new words of peace it was a wonderful way for me to think and highlight the changes that God intends for all of us as we align ourselves with him and his rule and reign. <laughs> 